0: It's all about Jesus. I talked to you um, last week about how Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and um, and how he would note know, was known as a notorious sinner in those days. He was a uh, somebody who was a, a tax collector and um, he was the chief of ca- tax collectors. And Jesus went down and befriended him and won him, won him to himself um, and into the kingdom. And then I talked to you about another chief tax collector by the name of Matthew, and I think that the reason why the Bible says this a couple times with two different tax collectors is because how important it was during that time that people looked at them as nothing more than a glorified mafioso, shakedown artist, um, take your money, he said they're giving to Rome, but they would they split it in half, basically. And I told you last week that basically that Whatever Rome collected, if it was 10%, they'd charge 15% or 20%, and whatever they got, they gave to Rome, and the rest they kept for themselves. So they became very wealthy, and um, they would have been disreputable people during those times. And by the way, Jesus did this in plain view. He did not hide the fact that he went and supped, uh, had dinner at the houses of these two notorious, reputable, uh, I I would call it, uh, people that were notorious for sinning, um, people that would have been down, uh, been looked down upon, that would have been people you would not want to fellowship with or have known, but Jesus actually goes to their house. So, uh, in today's world, Jesus would have been hanging out with something equivalent of a mobster type, type character, um, pimp, uh, hanging out with, uh, prostitutes or whatever where most society would say well that's those other people you know on the other side of the tracks or those those up and out people but they robbed everybody to get there and so Jesus actually spent time with them and spent a large portion of his ministry directed directed toward them as well and why, why is that important for us? Because I, I always want our church, it's always been this way, I always want to continue this way, is to be about, a church is about going after people no matter what it looks like, no matter how much sin they've committed. No, We're, we're not in the business to judge them. I'll get to that in just a moment. Um, we're in the business of saving and getting people right with God that are far from God bringing them to God getting them near to God and so I always want to keep that edge about our ministry Isaiah 61 God gave that to us I'm not going to go into that tonight but basically that's about going uh, to the people that are the dregs on the dregs of society and we're to go to administer to them and to fulfill the need of Jesus in their life and that's just what we're always going to be about and in that culture at that time if you were to eat with somebody, that's what he did. He went to Matthew's house. He went to Zacchaeus' house. And if you were to eat with them, you spent a time of meal with them. That was a, that was a special thing with a Jew. If you were to do that, that actually said this. It means I identify with you. So can you imagine the blowback come on, the feedback, the negative response could you imagine in the age of social media what would be going on about Jesus if you walk the earth right now? Most Christians come on they wouldn't be Christian I guess that, but they would be like the one they're looking for is the one they're actually saying he's terrible because he hangs out with the wrong crowd. So I'm going to say amen to that. We know that's true and yet Here he is, he's eating with them, and their culture was, if I eat with you, means I identify with you. So it would be uh, guilty by association. So the tabloid media of those days, the fake news of those days, uh, whatever you want to call it, the globe, I don't know what's out there anymore, uh, the young yin, all the, the all the fake news of the day, uh, th- that would have been the biggest scandal on the face of the earth during those times because he actually spent time with those who were scandalous. Jesus was not afraid to be with the scandalous, even if it brought scandal on him, because he knew the outcome was, I'm going to minister life to them arrogant and prideful people of religion in other words people that have a pharisaical attitude or a pharisee spirit are people that put rules above loving and caring for other people rules become more important uh, the law the letter of the law becomes more important than people become uh, they're more concerned with the appearance of holiness than the heart of humility. So I wanna go after those that have a humble heart. Maybe they don't got all life together. And by the way, for the religious people that may be listening by podcast, because nobody's sitting here today, because all these people are perfect, but they may be listening to the podcast. that might not be thinking they've got their act together. We all know you don't have your act together. We all know that you still got your problems too. So we don't have to have an appearance of holiness. We're to live unto God with a holy heart, but always with a heart of humility and holiness. In other words, it's not my works that gets the job done. I'm not good enough to make, to make God happy. It's only the fact that his son, I receive his son, and that grace and mercy, and with humility, I receive that forgiveness or that mercy in my life. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. It says Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. For God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you may have received uh, from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Doctrines are, are solid truths of the Word of God. And you teach them, um, the, the, you're teaching them as their commandments, but actually they're your own traditions. And then he said, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And, the, and if the blind leads the blind, both fall into the ditch. Jesus thought it necessary to correct and rebuke the religious leaders because they were blind people leading blind people. They're both going to stumble and fall into the ditch. And he said, enough of that. I don't care if they're offended with me. The truth is the truth. Whatever is planted in my father is supposed to be there. But what's not planted in my father needs to be uprooted in the first place. I love Jesus, man. I love this Lord. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man? For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. He's saying, look, it's not about the out. Then another verse he said, You you know, you spend so much time with your traditions cleaning the outside of the cup, but you never think about washing the inside of the cup. Isn't it more important to wash what's inside than what's on on the outside? In other words, we can't expect everybody to look like us right away or even to even look like us at all. Uh, People come up with their scars. People come up with their tattoos. Come on, people come up with their whatever, their background, their, 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 their situations and circumstances of life. And so our job is to teach the truth. Our job is to teach the truth. The Holy Spirit's job is to do the cleaning up of the inside of the cup. He'll do the washing on the inside. That's not my job. So me forcing more rules and regulations and more stipulations and more of the law and saying, I think this will help them. If I'm really hard on them, this will help them get cleaned up. I'm sorry. You're wrong. You're pushing them away. And mom, dad, listen to me very carefully. I'm, I'm big on correcting your children. I corrected my children. I did. I, I I wanted to put the fear of God in them because I understand. Just because, you know, I was I was in my my world because I was in sin and now I'm out of sin. I knew what it meant to be in sin. I didn't want my kids to be in sin. Come on. So I out of fear and almost like um I was driven to stick the word of God into, into them that sometimes I would draw my, my children, would be drawn away from me rather than to me because I was putting so much on them. You got to do this and you can't do this. I'm going to tell you something. One day they're going to get old enough and one day they're going to say, you can't tell me what to do no more. Our hope is that we did the best we could with what we had and we learn from those experiences but here, just to, let me tell you a little trick about it you gotta lead your, your children by example and when you don't have an example to lead them by you say I'm doing the best that I can and when you're hard on your kids apologize to your children say I'm sorry dad was out of line with what he said but what the truth is the truth is still the truth but the way I handled it was wrong you still gotta do that because what's happening to our generous generations they don't want nothing to do with God So the more stipulation we put on them, the more we break them down to make them feel like they can't please God. You might know his mercy, but your children might not know his mercy. So our job is to train them and to equip them. And I'm not saying they get away with everything. I'm simply saying we got to have some mercy upon them. Let's look at Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And by the way, a pharisaical pharisaical spirit, a, a, a spirit of a Pharisee. Um, feels a sense of superiority by the religious deeds that they do rather than keeping the heart of humility and thanksgiving. It says here in Luke 18, verse 9, it says, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I don't know how it all works. I just know that this God we serve is literally drawn to a heart of humility. And the more humble we are before God, the more He lifts us up. He exalts us in due season. The more prideful we are, the more we say, I got this today, God. I got the. We might not tell him that, but we don't include him in our daily walk. We're not, he's not a part of our daily lives. Amen, somebody. And then what happens is all of a sudden now I'm ruling my life. I'm in control of my life. And 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 I'm walking now in a place of pride. Uh, with my my in my relationships, at the workplace, and so on and so forth. And by the way, everybody in this room deals with pride one way or the other. It's like human nature. It has to always come under submission to God's will and what God wants. The temptation though, is to put a stop to what we don't agree with. So the moment you don't agree with something, you want to stop it rather than prayerfully give it to God and ask His wisdom on the matter. And what, what is the method that Christians uh, do to stop uh, what they don't agree with? They usually tend to speak against it. Now, I, I'm saying this because I want our church to mature, and we have over the years, by the way. I mean, there's a lot of congratulations in order because I've seen people really come a long, long ways, that when we don't like something, we don't just start speaking against it because we don't like it. You know, there's things that God does. You might not believe this with other people that he, he's not doing with you. <laughs> and you got to let God be God with them and worry about your own stuff. Somebody better say amen to that. Come on, y'all. Am I right about this? And so I can't be like all up in your business, but I haven't even handled my own business yet. And so what happens is when we don't agree with something we want to speak out against it and we start using our tongues and your tongue is a sword it is going to be a sword used for wielded for evil or wielded for good it's either going to have the word of god on your tongue to fight the forces of hell itself or your tongue is going to be like hell itself fighting against what god's trying to do and god always I'm uh, sorry the enemy always tempts the believer to come against God's plan and will by tempting them because when they don't agree with something or understand it they start to speak against it. Be very careful when you do that because you've now, now you've come into alignment with darkness. Now you've come into alignment with Satan. Let me tell you something we blame the devil for a lot of stuff we need to be taking the blame for ourselves. Now he is the accuser of the brethren. Now let me show you something. The book of Revelation said he's the accuser of the brethren that stands before God day and night and accuses the brethren. Now the Lord showed this to me a long time ago. I believe this is the truth. I believe this is what this is what that scripture means. Because I asked the Lord one time I said, "Now how is that possible that the devil stands before you day and night when he's been cast down?" And Jesus said, he saw he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven down to the earth. And that now he's no, he's no longer in heaven and that no sin can dwell in the presence of the Lord. So how is it that Satan can stand before day and night and accuse the brother? And just like that, the Holy Spirit said, oh, no, he doesn't. He said, the Lord said, it's my people. When the devil gets in their ear and whispers... It, comes, it whispers to, in their ear and it comes out of their mouth that's the only way I hear the accusations against their brothers and their sisters I don't know if that was just too deep for y'all or what but that's how it is so when you are you speak against your brother and your sister because you don't like it or you don't agree with it or you don't find it supposed to be in God's word and you want to be the ju- judge and jury and all of that and you start accusing the brother, the pastor, uh, the minister across town and, and your sisters and brothers in Christ, the devil just got inside of you and now he's speaking through you and that's the only way God hears what's going on. Now what God's trying to do is correct that behavior, right? He wants to get it right because there is power in our tongues. I'm not trying to get into tonight. This might be too deep, but let me just say this. That's called spiritual witchcraft. When you start talking stuff you want God to do that's not His will, and you're trying to bend the will of God, you're trying to manipulate God. You're trying to manipulate the situation. That's called that's called control and manipulation. That's called witchcraft. And we don't want to be a part of that. So to say, Amen. To that. I don't want nothing to do with that garbage. Now, I want you to look at. I want you to look at uh luke chapter 9 because i look church look we know what you're against what are you for we live in a uh uh a, a, a culture um a climate if you will of negativity and we got people that have platforms that got no business having a platform to speak because they ain't paid a price uh, y'all don't want to hear me still sitting in their mother's basement somewhere come on somebody Talking all big like they know what they're talking about on social media and blogs, and they don't even know what they're talking about. Never goes ooh, they got thirteen thousand followers. They still don't know what they're talking about. They're just spouting off foolish stuff. They have not been tested, so they got a platform now, and most of it's so negative. I mean, people have been telling me I don't I don't read Facebook very much, so don't get offended if I don't read your inboxes. On well. I'm very I'm I'm rarely on it. I post my stuff. I might like a few comments in my little my little lane, and that's it. And I'm out. Why? I'm tired of seeing all the negativity. I don't need to see it. I go on. I look for stuff that I know is going to be positive. Praise God. You see, well, all the people in our church—they're pretty positive, aren't they, Pastor? They're pretty positive. <sighs> some, of are, some of y'all are. Some of y'all are. Some of y'all are not. It's so negative. It's like a, just a culture and, uh, of negativity out there. And so we know what you're against. Can anybody have the guts and the courage? Please, and tell me what you're for. Is that so hard? What are you actually for? I can speak all day about the stuff I'm against. What are you for? If you're all, all this problem, all where's the solution? Oh, y'all don't want to talk back to me tonight. And that goes for politicians. Come on, somebody say Amen. Everybody's got something to say about the other party, but nobody's got a solution. What is the answer? We know the answer is Jesus. Come on, amen. And that's not just me saying as a pastor, that's the God's truth. He is the answer. Luke chapter 9, 49 says, now when John answered his master and said, master, uh, he said, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow up with us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him. For he who is not against us is on our side. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face towards Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And, and, they, and, they, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to be prepared for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Wow, But talk about judgment. But he, re, he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. In other words, I'm going to give this another shot. Guys, there's so much in this. There's so much in it. In other words, they don't follow us. They don't follow us, so they can't be of God, right? They're not—they're not doing what we do. Therefore, they can't be of God. And the more and more and more I see, it, it's a, its like the church becomes more and more fragmented. And—and and, um, you know, uh, where people believe this, and that. Well, we don't believe that this way, so we believe. Well, I can go down. I, I'm not going to even name the streets. Might name one or two. No, I won't say. I won't name any streets. You can go down. Think of the streets right now. You can go down right now and see 50 churches within one mile on one street or down the same street and you're thinking my God See, to me when I first came back to the Lord my first thought was why do we have all these churches around here why in the world why has everybody got a church to me it's like why don't we just all get together well son you just don't understand you see there are denominations and there's something for that's what I was told and I'm thinking, no, the truth is that was simplicity it's at its finest. A newborn babe can see it. Why are we so divided? That's what I was saying. Why are we so divided? Why can't we just come together? Even though we don't believe the same exactly in all things, can't we just agree on Jesus, at least agree on that? That's what I want to do. I want to hear about how that person's wrong and this person's wrong and we're right. Who? How in the world did, what? What? You know what you're moving towards? Cult. It's called elitism. And when you start saying, we're right, they're wrong, you're a cult, you're already going down the wrong path. I'm learning all the time, guys. I'm always adjusting. Now The core principles of the word of God never change, of course. We know that. But there are things I'm learning and adjusting all the time, little things, nuances that I didn't know, I didn't quite understand. Or simply it was good then, it was a great revelation then, but now I've got to have another revelation a new fresh manna to eat today to sustain me for the hour that I'm living in right now. Does that make sense to you? So I'm not changing the fundamentals or the doctrines of the faith, no way. But I'm saying, but, but sometimes we see it differently the older we get in life and the more that we do. And so, and so, so well, they're not, they're not part of this church. Of, and, and how many times, I've heard it so many times, so many times, uh, ch- pastors, and gets back to me, I wish they wouldn't tell me. And then, you know, the pastor don't like you. Why don't he like me? Well, because, you know, he says you're this or you're that. And I'm thinking, that ain't even the reason why he don't like me. Why doesn't he like me? Be, be real. Be real about it. And I hear that pastor. This pastor doesn't like me. I say, well, why? What, what did I do? I don't even know him. How can he not like me? I'm not, I'm not out there talking about him. I'm not out there doing that kind of stuff about them. Why, why is, what is going on here? and the truth, is, the, the truth of the matter is I may not believe exactly the way they believe or I may not see it exactly the way they see it but the truth of the matter is guys I, I'll be honest with you I've heard from, about other churches too and I went oh, who cares about that church we're faith builders man <laughs> I'm just being real we got it going on praise God I want to hear about that at church. I'm just being real. And the Lord says, you better stop that kind of stuff. That's, that, that's your brother and your sister and they love they love me and therefore you're going to love them anyways. Yes, sir. I'm going to do just what you told me to do. Yes, sir. I'm going to... That's all I needed to hear. All of us fight that from time to time when we're not ready to hear something like that because we, don't, we, we sometimes get insecure. But we should not that allow us to be like the disciples and say, hey, get that pharisaical spirit say call down fire on them God because they don't flow like we flow right again a religious person a pharisaical spirit is someone who wants to keep people in check make them toe the line while giving themselves a free pass because after all God sees how wonderful they are and how messed up everybody else is I can't deal with those kind of people. I can't deal with that kind of. I can't have fellowship with that at all. I'd much rather be um, with somebody who knows nothing about the Word of God, barely wants God in their life, but's humble that I can actually teach them some things, than somebody who's really seasoned in God, but then hates everybody else, hates their brother and their sister, can't get along with nobody. Come on, church. Unfortunately, uh, I see this too often. I don't want our church. To be Pharisaical. I don't want our church to say we've learned this and we understand this, and you're that boy. Don't don't let me catch you talking like that. That's not who we are. That's not us. That's we want to make sure we stay in our lane. One of the things that I think keeps our church um, maybe a little more humble um, because because we because we make up our minds to go after people and win souls. I think. When you, start, when you start going down the line of always um, educating people, always bringing people in to get faith words and words and prophecies and all that kind of stuff, what happens is uh, people get their, their chest poked out a little bit. And next thing you know, you can't tell them nothing because they've learned everything. And knowledge will puff you up real quick. And, and so now it's all about gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. In other words, I come in here and the pastor's got to preach this word because I need something, and it's all about what I can get, what I, what I can have, rather than about I receive what I need so I can go out, come on, and tell somebody else about the Lord and bring them in the house of God. And that, I think, keeps us in a humble place rather than puffed up with pride. Um, I do believe in order. I believe that you need to be obedient to the word of God 100%. But I've come to understand that it's the Holy Spirit's job to do the convicting. My job is to preach the gospel. Your job is to live your life and to preach the gospel. Uh, Our job is not to convince people uh, by, by, by force. Our job is to compel them by the spirit of God through our example and the words we speak. Not to judge them Anything else would be manipulation control. Being judgmental and using judgment are two totally different things. Judgmental is this. Judgmental is a way of making oneself feel better and superior by putting other people down. Usually caused by it's usually caused by closed-mindedness. But judgment is the capacity to assess situations and circumstances shrewdly and draw sound conclusions. So I, I gotta leave this with the church tonight. I gotta say this. He's called us to walk in good judgment, but not be judgmental. Okay? That means I can walk in discernment. I know who I can run with and who I can't run with. I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm just saying I know my weaknesses. And if I run with you, I got too many weaknesses and temptations that I know after time, it'll wear me down and I'm not going to be the man I am right now. So I got to get around other people that are going to help me fly. I always say this. If you want to learn how to fly, you don't hang out with chickens. You hang out with eagles. Somebody say amen. That's what you got to get around. And so I gotta learn how to fly. I gotta get, get around them eagles and it's uncomfortable. And you know they're gonna, they're gonna they're gonna show me by example, and then one day they're gonna kick me out of the nest and say, now it's your turn to fly, and it's gonna freak you out. But then you'll just take you'll take flight and you'll do it for the first time. Won't be pretty, but you'll be able to do it. But man, you can't hang around the wrong crowd. So I can actually I can actually walk in sound judgment, not putting you down, just saying I know what's good for me and I know what's not good for me. Amen. Um, look over at John eight. They'll put up on the screen if you if you're not able to look. You know the Bible. John eight three says And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman. Jesus brought to him a woman in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that that um, such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something to of, of use of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him uh, throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I, I, I think that's probably one of the most beautiful uh, passages of the scriptures that we have to look at um, the uh, character or the characteristics of Christ. That he doesn't let her get away with the sin. He tells her to go and sin no more. But he also says, where are your accusers? And I don't accuse you. I'm not going to make you feel worse than you feel already, but I want you to know what you're doing is wrong, and you got to get on the right path. Jesus looked past her sin and just saw her. I, I, I started as I'm putting this together. I, I started thinking about my own life when I when I came back to the Lord. Long period of time that I, I was a serving God. When I came back to the Lord, I I visualize it often. But when I came back to Him, um, you know, He wasn't even He wasn't even talking to me about. The word. He wasn't even showing me doctrinal truths. He wasn't even dealing with the Old or New Testament. He was just loving me. That's all he did was reach out, if I could say it that way, reach out and grab me and say, I love you, son. I know you've been a bad boy, but I want you to know I've never stopped loving you. I don't care what you did. I love you anyways, and I just want you to know everything's going to be okay, and I'm on your side. Now, I, I, I developed my relationship with Jesus not through the word to begin with, which I think is paramount. We need the word of God. But what I'm saying is I developed just because I knew he loved me and I started trusting him to speak into my life. So I'm hearing God speak to me before I'm even reading the Bible. Of course, I'm reading the Bible, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I wasn't getting as much out of that as I was him just, my my time and relationship with him. And he wasn't dealing with pet sins or none of that stuff. He was just really pouring love in me, and the more he poured in me, the more I wanted to do good. I wanted to do right. I wanted to forsake my old way, and it became easier and easier and easier. And I look back, and I I went real hardcore. I really did. I went really, really hardcore. And those things I didn't have to do. Uh, But, you know, you can't go back in time, can you? So I learned from that, those lessons. And maybe, just maybe, I needed to go hardcore for the first part of my life because I just needed to. Maybe that's what I had to do. I don't know. But looking back, a lot of it was just unnecessary, you know, cutting relationships off from friends and blah, 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 and I'd never seeing them again kind of a thing. And instead of, I could have cut just a relationship part of it and still been able to have them over supper and long as it's on the terms of the fact that I'm going to still be me and I'm still going to preach the gospel and that kind of thing. So I've learned a lot through that period. What I'm, what I'm saying is when I read that, I see me. Don't you see you? When I, when I see that, I'm going, wow. He's like, look, I'm on your side I'm going to kick all the bad people out of your life, the people that have been accusing you, and I'm going to give you a fresh start. But boy, don't keep messing up. I love you enough to tell you the truth. That's how I see him. Jesus offers a way out. Jesus never leaves us in a place of, I told you so. I'm right, you're wrong. Of course he's right. But Jesus is all about solutions. He's all about, here's how we can fix the problem. Jesus doesn't ignore the problem, but he never exploits the problem either. And I'll just say it this way in closing. We're going to receive our offering in just a moment, but let me just say this. It's like, God forbid, you get cancer, and but it's operable, and, and with a little medication, you're going to be just fine. But they got to go in there, and they got to, they got to cut it out. Well, first of all, they don't just cut anywhere, you know, they're going to be very specific as to where they're going to make the incision, to do the operation, to take care of your body needs, right, so you can have a fighting chance to live. All right, so that's what the doctor, he's going to be specific, okay, it's kind of like sin, God deals specifically with the area of sin while keeping you intact, he doesn't throw you away, he made you the way he made you, but he keeps you intact while dealing with the area of sin but before he does that the doctor does that what does he do he don't just start going lay over here boy strap him down here bite on this come on it, it, they don't do that what do they do they give you what anesthesia right and the anesthesia is so that you will be unconscious so that there will be no pain in your body while the procedure's happening well anesthesia would be like love it's love and when he come to when it came to us he poured his love inside of us and as a result of that we got we became enamored or we became intoxicated is a better word with that love while at the same time he's cutting sin off. We, we're just smiling all the time. We're not feeling nothing and he's taking care of the sin need all at the same time. It's how he does business. He's not out to hurt nobody. Matter of fact, all the pain was, you saw Sunday we did it the best we could, dramatizing, is, was done on the cross so you wouldn't have to endure that kind of pain. Now, what do we do? If it's so painful to you right now, it might be because you're trying to do it by your good works, yeah. which means love and mercy, the anesthesia has been pulled away and you're awake during the whole process. But when you come under his love, his grace, his mercy, have relationship with him, he deals with that those issues. There's no pain. It just starts to come. In other words, when you wake up, it's like I don't even want that ever. In my, I don't want that in my body ever. Would you ever go, uh, Doctor? Please, I really miss the cancer. Would you put that back up in there? Because I really like that. I mean, I really miss it. No, you would never ever do that. You'd say, "Thank you, Jesus. It's gone. Praise God." And and uh, and by the way, we still have Doctor Jesus. Come on, he'll take care of those needs too. He does. He still does. He still does.